Welcome to Real Everyday People, an Eladio Nino podcast. You either die the hero or see yourself become the villain. See too many dark nights and light the way you're living. They got me living. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? This is the El Nino podcast. I'm Eladio Nino, and this is Real Everyday People. I want to thank everybody that's tuning in, everybody that's been tapping in, showing support, sharing, subscribing, all that good stuff. Thank you. I appreciate you because that's what it's going to take for me to continue to do this work. Um, as you guys see, I got my men's wellness uh, matters. Um, this shirt is very important to me because, um, you know, lately I've been struggling and dealing with a lot of things because, you know, uh, you know, sometimes life gets overwhelming. Also, the work that we do is very overwhelming as well. Um and, you know, a lot of times men are taught to, you know, suppress their feelings and, and to just be strong and keep moving forward. But, you know, we're also humans and as men, we need to teach each other a whole new uh, life skill and, uh, and the ability to be able to uh, learn how to take care of yourself. Because as men in society today, we carry so much weight on our shoulders. But um, today, man, I have so many uh, special guests here today. I invited my whole ceasefire team because I felt like, you know, our whole community, everybody who watches, everybody who takes it needs to hear from my brothers from my team to know what we do how we do it and why we do it so um i'm honored today and i'm going to introduce my brother bishop my brother g ward and my brother q man how you doing man thanks for the invite thanks for the invite for sure yeah so what i'm going to do is i'm going to start off with bishop i'm going to let him tell you guys a little bit about yourselves and a little bit about your life how you got to uh where we're at today and you know your job for ceasefire all right all right so What's up, everybody? Have to speak it up. Got to pick it up a little bit. Yeah, All right, yeah, like Sunday morning. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, Bishop Daryl Harris, I am the faith-based coordinator for Ceasefire Detroit. Uh, about my life, um, I'm married. Uh, been married for, I believe, we're going on 35 years this year. That's no, a long years. time. Sorry, 30 years this year. Uh, in November, that's a long time. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. I, I got it's it. Thirty five, boy. You already <laughs> preparing yourself for the next five. Huh? Yep, preparing myself for the next five. That's absolutely right. With God, all things are possible. That's yes, right. It's the only way things are possible. So uh, I've got uh, three adopted children, uh, and then I have two of my own set of twins. I'm proud of my baby girl and my baby boy. Uh, my baby girl just graduated from Northwestern. My son is on his way to graduating uh, from college. The biggest thing about that, this was all free to me. Uh, they got scholarships, so I'm grateful for that. Um, and just, uh, I got into this work because some time ago, I had a baby brother who was killed in gun violence. Um, and just knowing what that feels like uh, to be on the other end of that and thinking about what retaliation looks like and how to get back and my, twisted sense of what justice really was and when I came out of that I wanted to be on the other end to help people to kind of come through and navigate themselves through that also I think it's important you know to be out here in the community I never wanted to be a minister that was only in the pulpit mm. I wanted to be a minister that was in the community we made conscious decisions to not leave the city of Detroit a lot of ministers they started churches or they became pastors of churches and they moved out you know and I understand it you know uh, safety and other reasons comfortability but you know my wife and I made conscious decisions years ago that we would stay in the city because we wanted to be a part of the same life uh, experiences that the, of the people that we also pastored and led. Yeah. So that was important to us, led us to this team, led us to this work. 
I'm a part of the uh, the original uh, the original four or five, if you will, uh, that gets down. And uh, now just seeing where ceasefire has gone and what we've been able to accomplish, the team has grown uh, exponentially, and we just get so much done. And even though we need more help, but still the ground that we cover, you know, I love this team because we're not about talking about it; we're about doing it, and that's what's uh, super important to me. Bishop, where did you grow up at? So I was born in Chicago, Illinois. I was born in the Shot Town. Uh, I was born in the Shot Town. All right, uh, and um, we moved. I was here. born in Shot Town too, man. Right, Cook County right, Hospital. Right. Wow. Uh, there it is. Well, I was on the other side. I was born in Mount Sinai, so okay. I was on the mountaintop with Moses. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I was born in Chicago. We moved to Detroit, uh, family at that time, a family of 11, moved to Detroit, and uh, we were able to be here. I think I was like five years old, and uh, we've been here ever since. Uh, so I grew up on the east side of Detroit. We lived around a little bit, but mostly the east side of Detroit. And um, I come up in what is now known you know, as 05 or 13 area. Um, so I'm back there with the BKs and all those guys. Y'all know the Earl Flynn's. The Earl Flynn's and okay. all those guys. Uh, so, yeah, uh, coming up on the east side of Detroit. Who was you rocking? Adidas, Elise's. You know what, man? So my brothers were British special. Knight. My brother was special, right? They, they wouldn't let me do all that stuff. <laughs> you know, I was next to the baby boy, so they were kind of oh, like, okay. no, Mama Harris not going to kill us because we got you out here. So, you know. And it's funny about that because people ask about that time in my life. You know, we were poor, but we didn't know. I didn't know we were poor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because my mother, it was always some under the Christmas tree. Food was always on the table. I, I was good and grown before I realized that a lot of times that my mother wasn't sitting at the table when we ate dinner was because it wasn't enough for her. Wow. And she would go in the room wow. and close the door and just pray. We didn't, I didn't know that when we were kids. I thought she just wasn't hungry because that's what she would say. Oh, y'all go here to eat, you know. But a lot of times it wasn't even enough. But, you know, I, that's why, and I throw this in, I don't have any shame whatsoever. My mother left this world living in my house because I oh, believe in that yeah. wholeheartedly. My mother took it to the rocks for us, and I took it to the rocks for her. Man, that is dope, bro. <laughs> Definitely, man. Definitely. Um, so were you raised with both of your parents? I was not raised with both of my parents. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't discover who my parent, my father was until I was like 14. Wow. Okay. So and he was always around, but I didn't know that he was my father. Were you ever um, able to make a connection with him? Yes. And I was very grateful uh, for that. Was when, as soon as I found out who he was, he was never closed off from me. It was just a situation. He had another family. He was in ministry also. And so it just, it wasn't, you know, something that was conducive, I guess, at the time. But we were definitely able to make amends before he left this world. Okay. And we actually grew to become really close. Wow, that's really great. So did he inspire you to get into ministry as well? Or is this something that just fell into your life because my father was a minister as well yeah. for many years yeah. you know yeah i think i think so i i don't i don't think that i would have gone this route as easily if it were not for his input i started being a pastor at the age of 15 mm -hmm. under his ministry so a year later from finding out that he was my dad is actually when the calling kind of came on and i was a pastor since that time so i've been pastoring for over 35 years wow 
Okay, man of God for sure. That's a good commitment yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> G Ward, it's on you, brother. Let him know who you are, where you from. Coach. Wow. Wow. What it is and what it ain't. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I can tell you what it ain't. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Uh, born and raised city of Detroit. Outside of my college years, I've been in the city. Uh, family man, children, uh, have adopted children, have raised some of my players in my own home. Okay. Uh, you know, just kind of looking at the city, as a, even as a young man, the, the first time I spoke to a group, I was 17 years old. Wow. Uh, and my pastor, uh, you know, I'm on my way to college, and he reached me one Sunday before we were leaving after benediction. He said, uh, next week I need you to speak to some people. And I'm wondering, like, speak to some people about what? <laughs> you know, Pastor Leonard Thomas, man, Southwest Detroit, uh, military and Horatio. And I remember thinking, like, okay, who you want me to talk to, Pastor? And he said, I want you to talk to some of the youth. Well, I kind of had to check my ID, and I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, I'm one of the youth. Right. <laughs> um, and... You know, I, I remember that day, and I can honestly say I remember being in the basement of a church, and I'm kind of sitting in a circle. And I remember within the first five minutes, it was like, this is something that I want to do. I was speaking to my peers, and as a matter of fact, two or three of the people in that circle were older than me. Wow. And I remember the impact that that conversation had, not only on me, but on those people. So, uh, you know, after that, going away to college, coming back home, still kind of figure it out what do I want to do and you know being a being a spiritual guy God just kind of put it in my lap I started working at a juvenile facility uh then I started coaching basketball my, my high school coach called me one night by 11 o'clock said hey you need to come up here and start coaching and I'm thinking I ain't trying to be no basketball coach I was what 25. juvenile facility at the one on uh, forest no I was I, I was called to Boysville as a matter of fact okay. uh you know one of our one of our co-workers uh John Hoskins senior he was working there as well, and it was uh, over on the east side, uh, okay. right near Harper. And, you know, once I did that, and, and it kind of things just kind of fell in line, and it became who I was. So when I looked at it, I said, man, God really put me in a position to do something that I know I wanted to do, but in my mind I needed to do. So uh, here I am, you're looking at it, 52 years old a couple of days ago. I've been kind of doing this work for over 27 to 28 years. And I don't have any regrets whatsoever. That's, about that's it. a lifetime commitment, bro. Uh, without without a doubt, you know, over half of my life has been committed to it. But when we look at it, you know, we all know it gets trying at times on us emotionally and mentally. So, you know, but every night we know, every morning we know, you know what, it's more work that needs to be done. So as much work as we do, we're really only chipping away a little bit at the concrete bit by bit. There's a lot more work needs to be done. And oftentimes, you know, we got to kind of check ourselves and say, hey, you can't do everything. You can't do it all at one time. So No, no doubt about it, bro, yeah. because I know we constantly pour, pour of ourselves into our communities, into our people and their needs, and the needs are never ending. You know what I'm saying? And it just gets to the point where we need to be replenished. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't get no breaks. This is a seven, seven, uh, 24, seven, seven days a week commitment that we make. And you, know? you realize, and you realize that you know what, you can see a family, you can see an individual in need. The hard part comes when you don't know if they realize they need it. Exactly. You don't know if they realize they need you and what yeah. you have to offer. So yeah. I think for us, we're trying to really, really help individuals and help community and say, look. This is what you need, and we've got something for you. Mm -hmm. And it's not costing you anything other than a little bit of your time. And the crazy part, I think, for us is, and we know this, we're doing the bulk of the work initially. Mm -hmm. 
We'll do the bulk of the work initially. We just need your help, and we're trying to get you to help us help you. And I think that's the hard part. We are truly frontline workers, boot-to-the-ground workers, bro. You know what I'm saying? I have been so inspired by working beside you, brothers, man, because I'm talking about we go from one task to the next task, and, I mean, we wake up with our plates already full. You know what I'm saying? Of responsibility and, you know, of people in pain, people who are suffering, people who are grieving. And, you know, there's times we have to suppress our own needs, you know, and, and wow. we make a lot of our sacrifices. And even we even suffer, you know, and, and we sacrifice quality time with our own family and our own kids. You know what I'm saying? To be able to go out and aid, assist, aid and assist people in our community, you know. And sometimes, you know, it's a thankless job. But, you know, lately I've been seeing a lot of people appreciating our presence and appreciating the resources and all the time and effort that we pour into them yes for yes, sure yes. yeah well i think not only is it a thankless job oftentimes you have to realize and say hey you know what it gets trying for us not just physically i think the physical part is the easy part but mentally and emotionally when we kind of look around and say you know what Oh, I need to get to this person. Oh, I need to get this community. You know, you said we have different tasks and we go from one task to the next. It's kind of like all the tasks are kind of blended together. <laughs> you know, you're looking, you're doing one thing. You know, I was on the phone today with a, with a member that I haven't talked to in six or seven months. And he informed me of some of the things he's been doing. And as he's talking to me, he's saying that he really needs me and we got to get together. He's thinking, he's saying, we got to get together tonight. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, man, I've been, I've been trying to reach you for seven months. <laughs> and for what you said you've been doing, mm -hmm. you've been wasting a lot of time. Definitely. You know, so I, I think it's difficult for us at times, but I, I tell you, you just alluded to it. You know, when you talk about a dream team, this is really a dream team. And the diversity amongst this group, not only from an ethnic standpoint, not only from a racial standpoint, uh, a gender standpoint, but the mindset. And everybody has such great success in certain areas that we kind of work this thing out. You know, I kind of look at it. If you ever seen the Earth, Wind & Fire in a concert, you know, it's a lot of people on the stage, but everybody is just as important as, as someone right. else. So, you know, the lead singer <laughs> might look like he gets, you know, Quincy is our David Ruffin. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, but when you look at it, if, if, if he's David Ruffin and, and Bishop is Eddie Kendricks, <laughs> the drummer, but the drummer, the drummer is valuable. I'm probably the drummer. I'm probably the person that just kind of opens the curtain to make sure everybody gets through. But, Everybody is valuable to what we do. So nobody is looked at like they're not valuable because everything we do on a daily basis is so, so important to everybody. So, man, I just appreciate being on the squad. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and this this squad is specifically handpicked. You know, we are all people who are influential and have respect and, rep and good reputations within our communities. And we have good relationships with the people within our communities, for sure. I think that's the most important thing. That's the only way we can get the job done, bro. And, and you know what I love is when we're working in Greek Town and everybody knows everybody. Everybody's pulling up. What's up, Q? What's up, Wydell? What's up, G? What's up, Bishop? What's up? Like everybody like hanging out the window. It's like a family reunion sometimes, you know? And every week I'm there. I see somebody, couple, what up? You know what I'm saying? And it just it makes the mediation better for us you know what i'm saying like really on both sides the 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 population they love seeing us and even the police they love seeing us because they already know that we, we got that connection with the community and, and and that's something that a lot of them don't have you know wow that's a great point yeah that's a great point 
Q, it's on you, brother. Let us know what it is. Hey, man, I'm just I'm just happy to be here, man. I'm happy to be a part of the team. As 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 Coach just said, man, it's this is a dream team, yeah. and it's really a dream for me, man, just to be a part of it. Um, and it, it's crazy to think even how I got here, and how certain things have had to happen in my life in order for me to land in this seat right here you know connected with these brothers and sisters man it's just it's only only god can do something like this man you know and 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 the impact that this this team makes every single day um but for me you know guys talk about you know parents or or fathers being pastors man you know (laughs) my dad man was a you know minister on the east side of detroit for yeah still is (laughs) it still is uh for a number of years you know over 40 years and um you know i i seen him take the gospel to the streets that's what had the impact profound impact on me you know what i mean he was about community right sundays being having service on the parking lot right him walking the streets of the community him walking through parkside projects and and praying for people and asking them you know how can i help how can i how can i serve you you know what i mean just sitting as a you know you know eight-year-old nine-year-old kid watching my dad do that you know it shaped my life you know and really that's the message that i think that we really need to get out because it's about legacy if fathers set the example for their sons Mm -hmm. right and sons grow up to take on that responsibility of really being a man and holding down the house taking care of your wife taking care of your kids will have a better community you know um so i'm thankful i I truly am man and you know grew up on the east side you know east warren and and somerset east warren and bishop out of drive area um not this bishop no it's a street it's a street bishop (laughs) yes yes east warren bishop on the east side yes sir um um but you know just 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 seeing you know seeing ministry done you know what i mean Uh, at at a at a another level man you know so and and it, it shaped my life again um so just you know different jobs that i've had and just had a passion to work with young people uh, working in the schools in like five different school districts um started my own nonprofit. me and my wife misty hey baby how you doing um and uh, then hey hey and then you know from there i hear about this thing called ceasefire and one, a good friend of mine you know was the community organizer for it and you know he gave me a call i said cute man you need to jump on board man i got coach ward hey, coach ward george ward from king yeah he on the team oh word okay told me you know the other brothers he had and then um, I just showed up one day, not knowing what in the world I was doing, but I was present, right? Um, and then not knowing that he was transitioning out. Um, so there was a vacancy, and uh, somebody recommended me. I interviewed, and boom, here I am. Um, and, and we started with how many Jesus? It was it was just yeah, four or five of us, you know. Um, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Rest in peace, our brother Jermaine, uh, Jermaine Tillman, and uh, our brother Snoop. Um, And so just us four just making that impact, you know, in in, in the city and trying to touch as many people as we can, right? But amazingly, you know, just week by week, month by month, the team would expand and grow and not by our own doing, you know what I mean? But just divinely orchestrated and put together, we start to meet different people that had a certain skill set. And that had a, a larger, bigger reach and that could touch and impact more people. And that's where we stand today. Not to say that, you know, we can do it all or we're perfect because we want to grow even more. Right. And, and we know there's other people out there that, that that can help us expand our reach, you know. But we've done, you know, this team has done an amazing job, you know, up to this point, And we hope to do so much more. 
Listen, man, I was very honored and privileged to have met your father at the Samaritan yes, Center when um, we were there building with the youth and holding that talking circle with the youth. Yes, sir. And um, just hearing your father speak, man, it was very natural for yeah. him. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. And everything that he was talking about in his experience and yep. the community that he's been working in for 40, 50 years. Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? Like he's he has seen society turn over. Yes four or five different times you know he's has seen the problems from then yeah you know from past present even the future 100 percent. you know 100%. and um you know it was definitely very inspiring to yeah. hear from him yeah yeah you know and uh, we all do good work out here you know and um you know rest in peace to pat bates he was one of the brothers yes, that was a part of this team you, bro you know it just comes to show you yep. that death doesn't discriminate tragedy doesn't discriminate murder hate all that doesn't discriminate it touches all parts of, of life yeah. you know what i'm saying sure. and even the people who are out there trying to do good and improve themselves and help others you know what i'm saying but at the end of the day you know everything it happens for a reason and um you know we we learn to carry on and 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 and, li and let these people live through us yeah, you know sure, and the work sure. that we do yeah, definitely so um what i'm gonna do is we're gonna wrap this one up and we got three more brothers that are gonna come and they're gonna break bread with you guys right all right uh, thanks brother appreciate yeah, you yeah appreciate no it. doubt about mm, it appreciate man. it we do have yeah. one shout shout out to give let's come on with it Dr. Director yes. Cheryl Jones. No doubt. I think I think for yeah. us, you know, when you think about when you look at what Barry Gordy was able to do, I <laughs> yeah. think she's on the lines of that. 100%. You know, being able to do what she's been able to do with this team and kind of orchestrate and kind of manipulate some things and make some things happen for us. Yeah. I can say this. Ceasefire Detroit, as it is known today, would not be what it is today yes. without, without Cheryl, Cheryl Jones. Hundred percent. Absolutely yeah. unequivocally yeah. true. Well no said. Well no said. Out about yep. it. Yeah. Salute. Salute, Cheryl. Salute. And happy birthday to George Wood. Yes. How old are you, G? 65, 66, something like that? Mine is 13 or 14. That's what that is. I'm 52. Tell me you're 30. Hey, I you're, 30 you're 30 for the 10th time. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> 30 Whoa. for the 10th time, huh? <laughs> yeah, so let me get Snoop, Hop, and Kurt. So I had to break this up in segments because we got so many powerful brothers and sisters that are coming on today to share their experiences, to share their life and their insight. So right now we got my man Hop, John Hoskins. We got my man Snoop and we got my man OGYBI, uh, Kirk McGurk, baby. Ain't another one like him. You hear me? You're original. <laughs> so Hop, man, let them know what it is and what it ain't, man. Well, John, John Hoskins Sr., um, Father of four with a ton of grandkids. Uh, I started this work years ago, over 30 years ago, working in uh, juvenile facilities. And um, after a while, I ended up trans, you know, transitioning into schools. But one of the reasons I had to transition was because I got tired of being reactionary and wanted to be progressive in, in, in trying to find a way to stop kids from getting locked up and stop young men and young women from being incarcerated. So it was just a natural progression. Uh, and then um, ran into uh, Cheryl <laughs> and uh, begged there for about two, three months to uh, let me join the squad. And um, I was able to do that while still working in the high schools. And uh, here I am. You know, and um, it's a blessing, as the, the other three guys said, to be, you know, surrounded by such great people, men and women, doing the things that we do and impacting the lives that we touch. You know, I... I, I I see myself doing nothing but what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? This is what I was meant to do, and this is what, is what I've always done, so. 
what was it like working with juveniles, bro? Like, you know, because I know I went in the juvenile system. And when I was 15, like, I grew up fast because I was the firstborn of three. So I, at a young age, I was the man of the house. And I just swore I knew it all. Like, couldn't nobody tell me nothing, you know? And once I got over the fear of, you know, juvenile and all that and just going in there and just going through all the process, I just, I felt grown, you know what I mean? Right, but, right. like, what's it like to be able to break down the barriers with juveniles and get through to them and, and, and deliver the message that they need to hear. Well, the, the thing with me was uh, I went in so young, you know, 24. I, I can tell you the first day I worked was September the second, nineteen ninety. Okay. And that was the and the reason I know that because that's the day my first son was born, my oldest child was wow. born. So I think that you know holding him in the morning and then going to work that evening, you know, gave me a different perspective on on how 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 things were because. I was doing my own thing as well, you know, ripping and running. I was wild, 24 years old, mm -hmm. doing my thing. But when I held him in my arms and then went to work that night, I saw life different. So my interaction with them was all about, you know, what can I do to, to help them see things differently, to move in a different direction. You know, even though I was young, but that was the, I always say, that was the beginning of my life, was right then. Because I had my child, I saw life different holding him, and then I went and I had the opportunity to impact other lives. So, and, and I could imagine how, like, seeing your son in in the youth that you are working with, like, not wanting the, your son to ever be in that situation. You know what I mean? Even though I felt like putting him in there sometimes, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, right. I just um. You know, I, I've always been respectful and I always grew up around adults. I had seven uncles that I grew up around and they were all influential, whether it was right, right or wrong. It was always, you know, uh, they always made some type of impact in my life in one form or another. But I know that, um, you know, it's not always an easy task, you know, to get through, especially when you got young young boys who have not been raised with father figures you know right, what i'm saying right. and and sometimes it may seem or feel intrusive when a man does step in and try to you know guide you navigate you advise you you know try to mold you teach you build with you a lot of times they reject it because they don't know how to accept it well well let me tell you i, I and, and i hold this to be true and everything i've done with you know they want the guidance. They want the structure. They just want you to be consistent. Mm -hmm. They want you to be consistent, and they want you to be true. You know what I'm saying? And they can they can tell if you fake a mile away. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if they trust you, like when we walk, like like y'all was talking about going around through uh, walking through Greek town stuff. I, I can't tell you how many of my uh, former kids and students that I see that I still kick it with. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Every but, time we work there, right? But 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 it's simply because. I'm the same cat now that I was when they was in school, you know. And and when I run into guys that uh, when I run into guys that was in the in the uh, group homes and juvenile homes, I'm good with them because I'm the same cat now that I was back then. So you know that all it is, they if you're consistent, you're true, and you're honest with them, they can respect that. Even when you got to discipline them. They can respect that because they know it's coming from a place of love. So Absolutely, man. And they need to know that the love is real, the concern, the care is real, and it's unconditional. For you sure. Know? For sure. Because um, you know, it's just it's just not easy, you know, growing up, you know, without, you know, positive male figures. You know, sometimes the youth become very combative with it, you know, and they just try to grow into themselves, you know. And and a lot of times, you know, 
because of the things we went through as kids and, and, and coming up and, and some of the, the trauma that, uh, you know, I've witnessed personally and went through in my life, you know, there's it, only two ways you can go. Either you're going you're gonna to learn from it or you're going you're gonna to give it back in a way of teaching. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and once again, it's, it's all love. So when, when I was in prison, I had started up a youth, uh, a youth, um, uh, a youth group with uh, some of the guys, and um, it was very successful youth program that we had started. And I had asked, like, why was there such a major disconnect between youth and adults? Like, why did they lack so much respect for parents, aunts, and uncles? And they was like. Well, shit, I sell dope to my mom. I sell dope to my dad, my uncles, my aunts, my older cousins. They all own dope. They all get high. They, You know what I'm saying? And they like, how can I respect them? Because I look at all of them like they just dope fiends. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, wow, that's a major barrier. You know what I'm right. saying? For To build a bridge of just respect. You know what I'm saying? Like, how can you get through to somebody when they had no respect for you? Don't want to hear what you got to say because they wait, they see the way you live in. You know, when we grew up, I grew up, you know, do as I do, as I say, not as I do, you know? Right. And, uh, and now this generation, they just ain't having it. You know, they ain't selling dreams. They ain't buying dreams or none of that stuff. Well, the know? problem is we got to get back to parenting. You know what I'm saying? We, Absolutely. We, we got to get back to parenting. Regardless, like you say, do as I do as I say, not as I do. But we got to get back to parenting. And we, we can't be scared to talk to our kids. You know what I'm saying? And we try to focus too much on being their friends and getting along. We we be their friends just so we can get along with them. Right. And then parenting right. runs right. to the wayside. Right. You know? And then gener and each generation is supposed to reach back and touch and teach. And because of technology, pandemics, and all this other stuff, social media, we got away from that. So, I mean, we just got to get back to parenting and get back to, you know, get back to loving. Definitely. Snoop, it's on you, brother. Come on with it. Oh, man. Here we go. Uh, James Holmes. Um, uh, I did 17 years in prison, and um, I came home and decided when I was sitting in the prison cell before I came home that uh, I got like a premonition in, in jail, and it told me, like, I'm going to be doing some type of work when I get home for my people, my community, whatever. And um, now that kind of work has become a way of life because ever since I've been home, I've been doing this work. Um, as earlier, Quincy uh, described four guys that first started off with this work. And um, I'm one of the original guys that started off in this work. And it's just, like I said, it's a way of life for me. Um, I can't do nothing else. It ain't about the money. It ain't about nothing but seeing the progress and being able to see the uh the outcomes of the young men and the young women because uh, parenting is watered down because we tend to uh, put our children on the same level as us when we smoke weed with them and we drink with them and different things like that. We lose the respect for how your child going to respect you if you're doing the same thing with them that you do with somebody else. They put them on the equality so they, they become not your uh, parenting goes all the way out the window and it becomes your friend. And uh, I don't need a friend with my child. I need someone that I can raise. So, for me, that's uh, like just like a real red flag. No, I understand, man. That's that's dope, bro. What experiences that you did you go through while you were inside that you reached that point? Because I mean, there was a point where we lived life a certain way. We, you know, I I was in the streets. You know, I I thought that what I was was what I was always gonna be. You know, and um, and then you know after about twelve years of my seventeen. That's when I started really going through transitions because I was just tired of living in this vicious cycle. You know what I'm saying? Of just 
murder, drugs, dropping out of school, just not owning shit, not having shit, you know what I'm saying? Always struggling, like, and I wanted to come home because I wanted to live a different lifestyle, and not only that, but I wanted to teach others that they had options and they could do things different because so many of us felt like we didn't have options, you know, because everybody's so uh, concerned about what people are going to say, what are they going to think, you know what I mean? Brothers who try to, you know, get away from the gang life, get away from the drug life, get away from the streets, even you hear people who end up being successful get a job and buy a house outside of the neighborhood and they get ridiculed and criticized you know what i'm saying as not being real because they leveled up and you know and moved on to bigger and better things for themselves and it's funny you ask that question because on my way here today uh, a real good friend of mine uh his name is gazi wangu he's uh he's a nigerian and we were talking we went we did prison time together and um and I was like, man, I look back on my life today and I wonder, like, I'm here. Like, how did I get here? You know, and um, he was like, well, man, you a good dude, man. He said, you lead with your heart. And he said, so God bless you. And I'm a firm believer in my, in my God. I'm going to be a little selfish with this one and say my God. You understand? I'm a firm believer in my God. And then, um, so, and believing in my God and he, um, me being covered with uh, uh, the blood of Jesus and, and understanding that there are blessings down the line. So becoming an um, example of change, as you say, and moving out to the suburbs, that's showing the young men and young women in our society that, okay, I was in the streets at one time, but I'm not in the streets no more. I figured out a way to channel that energy and push it from a negative to a positive. So uh, being that example doesn't mean the guys, anybody that tells you something like you turned your back on the neighborhood, those aren't the guys that you want to be involving yourself with. Mm -hmm. Because evidently they have a negative energy that they push it towards you that you don't have no need for in your life ever so anybody that pushes you that, that see we have a mentality in our community we try to pull each other down that's what i like about ceasefire because we have a family oriented uh organization where we try to uplift each other you know what i'm saying like it's a pat on the back it's not a pull on the back you know what i'm saying that we do every day not one day Every day we patting each other on the back. We lifting each other up. So and 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 being an example again in, the, in our community is showing that stop pulling your brother back, man. Start pushing your brothers and sisters forward because we everybody need a helping hand. Everybody need a pat on the back. Everybody needs to that I'm able to call and say, hey, man, I need you today because in my life I need everybody. It's not one day that I don't need somebody because everybody needs somebody. You know that crab that crab in a bucket mindset has destroyed our community has destroyed families and um you know so my my that was my main mission is to change that mindset within our community so we can start seeing how how much more and how much better we can be if we were united if we were supportive of each other if we learned how to just have respect for one another and and you know and and be able to build with the, with one another we're all in the same boat you know and some of us have potential some of us have gifts and blessings that take us in other directions but i feel personally like i suffered with purpose i feel like the only way i could service was my community today is from all the suffering that i had done you know and that goes back to the story of jesus when jesus has suffered for us you know what I'm but saying? You know, let me let me let me stop you right there with your suffering because I hear you speak about how you suffer so much. Your suffer has molded you to be the individual you are today. Without you being without you going through that suffering, you would not be able to be the example that you is today. Don't believe that everybody's not looking at you that's around you because you, you the little homies, the little nephews, the little they understand it. They look at it. So you're becoming a, a you're becoming the the role model. But your suffering, Jesus. Every, if you look through the Bible, everybody suffered through the Bible. That's what. But they became. 
who they became because of their suffering. So today you stand as one a great man because of your suffering. So don't look at your suffering as a downfall. Look at your suffering as a molding for who you've become today. Trans Thank transformation. You, Definitely. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you, man. <clears throat> Kurt McGirt, it's on you, brother. What's up, man? <laughs> Talk to us, man. Where you from? What is it and what ain't it? What's up, man? My name is Kurt. I go by the name Kurt McGirt. Came up in an organization that's called the Young Boys Incorporated. My story is, as some people say, infamous. I read the book. The I was beginning. with Sandman in the joint. He showed me the YBI book. <laughs> showed me a picture. I knew everything about you before I even met you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, my thing is I'm working with Ceasefire because it's time for this Cowboys and Indian stuff. It's a cease for it because the simple fact if if they don't understand that every time they go before a judge the numbers is high mm -hmm. you know they creating the sentence that the judge gonna give them when they go in, in front of the court with this wild stuff my whole thing is let's start thinking before we react you know what I mean violence is the last day yeah talking to the mic Violence is the last stop. So let me ask you this, though, because we live in a bloodthirsty society, bro. You know what I'm saying? And and everybody's first reaction response, whether it's their natural instinct or whether it's just about drawing first blood, everything always resorts to murder. Somebody got to die behind this. Why do you think that is? Well, for some some for sometimes it's because paranoia. I'm gonna draw on you first before you draw on me. And sometimes innocent people get caught up in that. A lot of innocent people get caught up yes. in that because every day or every other day, this team is reporting to incidents and we're re making it to the scene and children's bodies are laying on the floor. Yeah. You know, these are children. We are going to funerals for children. You know, my cousin just a couple weeks ago, 14 years old, was murdered. He's 14 years old. He's a child. Yeah. We've been to funerals. 11-year-old girl killed. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is sad. This is terrible. This is really happening. And, I, you know, I, I just, you know, I feel like a big part of it is because of what we did and what we didn't do. You well, know what I'm well, saying? We played a part in it some of the ways. But my whole thing is, how do we talk to them now? How do with we respect, reach out to them? With respect, because that's what they want is respect. They don't want adults coming in and talking down to them. Right. It's a lot of guys that don't know how to talk to them. They talk at them. You got to give them a voice. They talk, you know what I mean? They talk at them. And when you're talking at a person, you're trying to tell a person instead of giving them advice. Why do you think it's so hard for adults to respect youth? Well... I guess some of the adults forget that they was used to. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And they forget that, okay, you did something goofy too, you know? So remember how your parents used to talk to you and how you felt when they was talking to you the way that you talking to your child. And, and you know, Kurt, that goes back to the separation and the lack of parenting and, 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 and not running the house. So the communication, it's a communication gap that's, you know, that's, that's crazy because, you know, we, we don't we don't know how to talk to them 
because we forgot how to talk. It's social skills. That's what I'm saying, for sure, for we sure. We lost social skills. And, and really, the social skills is basically the TV. We learn how to be social from movies. You know, we don't know how to separate uh, fiction from real. You know what I mean? We feel that, okay, this is what this is. This is how I'm supposed to react. When no, that's not how you're supposed to react. Because you got to realize if you react in a violent state, you got a certain outcome behind that violent state. And its consequences. But that. see, this is the thing, too, is like when I was young, I understood the consequences of my action. I was a gang member. I, I was taught, you know, the possibility, even when I in school, they always told me you're either going to be dead or you're going to be in prison. I was willing to accept that. You know what I'm saying? For my gang, if I kill you, they're going to honor me. And if that, you kill me, they going to remember me. If that, I go to prison, they going to salute me. So it was like I, I was going to win all across the board. You know what I'm saying? See, so I didn't care about consequences because I wore that shit as a badge of honor. But you know? that's the difference that I'm seeing now. Because, see, they say that they're going to die. Mike, they say they're going to die at 25. We never thought that. We never thought that we was dying. You know what I mean? So it's the mindset, you figuring that this is how you got to live to get, you know, no, you don't, man. You got to live a long time and enjoy your life. You know what I mean? Everybody be talking about they 100. But listen, bro, the other day when we when we made that call over there off of Gratiot and um, I seen that community, bro. It was dilapidated. The whole community was dilapidated, bro. How can you be motivated or inspired by anything? How can you think about doing anything good, positive, or better when you are surrounded by nothing but abandoned and burnt down houses and open fields? Like, like, bro, how can you dream big when you're surrounded by everything that's so small, bro? Well, let me explain this to you, man. It, it, it's the individual, you know what I mean, and the people that surround the individual because... When I went to prison, I went to prison at 17. And I did 30 years. And in that environment, I could have came out or could have been a person with hate in my heart. But I chose not to do that in an environment where there's nothing but hate. So my question is, you know what I mean? It can be done, but it takes the individual to want it. Absolutely, man. You know, Thank so. you, Kurt. I appreciate all you brothers for sharing, man. We're going to move on to the next segment. Much love to you guys, and thank you, guys. Appreciate you. We got Riley Sincere and Chap. So we got three, three more. Um, you know, just wonderful people that I work with, part of my team. Everybody has their own gifts. Everybody contributes. Everybody here is an asset. We got my man Riley. We got Chaplain Yolanda. And we got my brother Sincere. Riley, we're going to start with you, man. Let them have it. Let them know who you are and where you're from, man, and why you do what you do. So my name is uh, Riley Greer, uh, also known as uh, Cuddy Coming Up, also known as uh, Detroit's own uh, Kevin Hart today. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, uh, I'm the guy that walk up to you at the gas station, you know, give you the hug and, and just see how you're doing or whatnot. I've been doing it for years. Um, I am from the west side of Detroit, Strathmore Road, grew up, 
Uh, went to Parkman Elementary. I'm gonna throw that in there. Uh, went to Parkman, went to Rudderman, went to Drew, um, McKenzie for a short stint, then uh, Bobian, then Mumford. Graduated from Mumford, not class of '99. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I was a, a problem child. I, uh, I grew up for a minute. You know, I was in the gang for a minute. I uh, just had to. My mother passed away when I was uh, 14, going on 15. So I switched some things up in my life. Um, I made a promise to her that I would get out the gang, which I really wasn't planning on sticking by. Then she died uh, that year of a heart attack, so I had to stick by it. Um, that was one of the hardest things for me to do because um, these are all the same guys that had my back coming up. So um, I made sure I still had their back a little later or whatnot, but it wasn't, I wasn't as active as I was in the beginning, so I had to figure out some other things. Uh, graduated high school, went to college or whatnot, still came back to the neighborhoods or whatnot, still say what up to my homeboys, still show love. Um, and I do what I do because, um, well, I grew up without a father. Uh, my mother died, when I, again, she died when I was 14, going on 15. Um, I had some family members coming up. I really want, I idolized them. Uh, today they're, they're dead. Uh, murdered, of course, in the city of Detroit. Um, I stand on that every day when I go out here and talk to these youth. Uh, I'm a resource coordinator. I want to make sure I give these kids out here all the resources available. Anything that I can't do, I let them know. I'm always honest with them. Uh, I, I approach all of them with respect. Um, and the reason I'm in the position I'm in right now is because um, I used to work at a place called Northeast Guidance Center. I was over this program called Youth in Transition, um, YIT. And the uh, Northeast Guidance Center is a, a mental health, uh, outpatient mental health uh, facility or whatnot. And I serviced the kids from 18 to 26. And I was like a rock star up there. The kids loved me, they respect me. They was ready to follow me to the ends of the earth. Um, I made sure they had jobs. I made sure they uh, could take responsibility for their actions. I made sure they uh, could handle their business. And I'm sure they're still doing it today because they <laughs> linked up with me on Facebook and they still call me today. So, uh, Man, that's really dope, bro, man. I really appreciate you sharing that. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know, even being a graduate and all that, man, like, you know, congratulations on that just because, you know, I, I don't know, bro. We used to have a, a misinterpretation of what manhood was growing up. You know, everything was about, you know, rough texture, being hard, being tough, even being ignorant. You know what I'm saying? Like, even ignorance was considered being tough. Like, if you was a good kid in school and you were doing well, like, everybody considered you to be soft or weak. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and that's crazy that even at that age that, you know, they would have that perspective. But that's, that's just that misguidance and lack of, of male figure, uh, positive figure. You know what I'm saying? And even, you know, for, you know, a, a community um to like really uh judge you by your success because everybody's so used to not having nothing that once somebody is you know starting to do better they get ridiculed for it you know what i'm saying and uh so I, i'm just you know that that's great bro that uh that you graduated and and um you know and did well for yourself man and, and and i know you had to lose a lot of people too you know along the way and i'm sure that's what motivated you and inspired you you know to do the work that you do today so let me ask you this how do you find the resources that you're able to provide for the community so i've been doing this work for 16 years and most of the resources that i've gathered th throughout the years i still have um we put together a resource guide and i, I make new uh connections all the time uh I might run into somebody over here and they're doing something different. I might 
I might say, well, what are you doing now? You know, <laughs> that's the social work. <laughs> that's how we do. Uh, and then I'm doing this. Oh, okay, that's a resource right there. That's that's the next resource right there. So uh, with that being said, the connection is going to be made with between uh, whoever it is, whatever member from Ceasefire, I you know, tell to go wherever it is they need to go and to handle that business and, you know, get the resource. And, and one thing I'm never going to do with any of these kids, but I'm never going to lie to them. I'm never going to say, hey, man, go over there. You know, it's uh, it's P's and carrots over there. And they go over there and look, it's not P's and carrots over there. So <laughs> how, hel- how helpful are the resources, though? So if the kids stick with actually going through actually getting their resources, uh, they're very helpful. But sometimes, and, and, and I get it, some of the kids that I deal with, they um, they don't. It's not a good follow through. So we got to do a follow up <laughs> with those kids to okay. see, you know, what's going on with them. But um, and what are some of the barriers? Is it lack of responsibility, lack of transportation, lack of finances, lack of discipline? All of that. But okay. uh, uh, one of the biggest things is um, the follow through. One of the biggest things is just the follow through. If they just uh actually did the follow through it, it is sound and look differently um even when i talk to him did you get a chance to oh no i'm gonna do that later this job not paying enough i'm like paying 18 dollars an hour you know uh what are you looking for can you work two jobs you know things <laughs> of that nature so yeah. um we got all the resources they need but a lot of times they want some of the guys and i'm not gonna say all but some of the guys don't want to actually put that work in the same work that they, that they put in out here in these streets uh they don't want to put that <laughs> that uh weight of work into uh, a straight nine to five. So let, let, let me suggest this. I, I had a conversation with Chief White. We did walk a mile in uh, Southwest one day and I shared a story with him about, you know, me being young. By the time I was 21 years old, I had three kids already. So I owed child support for all three kids. I had dropped out of school in ninth grade, so I had no education. So it's not like I was going to get some good job that was going to pay me any good money and any money that I made the friend of the court was going to take it. So it really discouraged me from even wanting to have a job period because i said i ain't gonna be making i ain't gonna be able to make a living for myself so do you think that that could play a a factor in why a lot of men don't want to work today you know what i'm saying if they're just you know have multiple kids even one child you know what i'm saying and then if they're not even with the mother you know a lot of times that puts a lot of strain on a relationship the mother goes to the friend of the court and now you know they're on your head and they'll take enough money where you can barely live for yourself and that can discourage a lot of people from wanting to work a lot of men and even young men you know because i was like you know what i'm gonna have to sell drugs for the rest of my life you know so for us i'm gonna be honest that's low-hanging fruit for us we got like one of the dopest legal liaisons right here in the state of michigan his name that's sincere right there you know see him bam <laughs> and that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna, uh actually i'm gonna refer you to sincere i'm actually gonna have a uh if that's any of that was going on right now you know uh, uh, you were one of the ceasefire members uh, I, I would talk to uh, Bishop Daryl Harris, uh, uh, Chaplain Yolanda Stinson, and we're gonna work something out. You know, there is no, uh, we look, we remove barriers, okay? We remove barriers. And uh, once the trust is there, finally there, then uh, for us to actually help those out, so that does, excuse me, I'm excited right now. <laughs> <laughs> so that those barriers can be removed, then, uh, whoever we're working with it goes into play but those guys have got to do a follow through we look i'm gonna help you but you gotta help you you, look, you gotta help me help you <laughs> absolutely yep no doubt about it thank you brother i appreciate your insight yeah. chaplain yolanda it's on you let us have it <laughs> hey everybody my name is yolanda i am a chaplain so my name is not chaplain yolanda my name is yolanda i just i am a chaplain 
um, by, ch by calling and by choice. Um, I am a part of the ceasefire family and team by, cho by choosing. Um, I tell everybody that I was handpicked, I, I say, um, because of my serving. So I am a servant at heart and they found me serving and they came to get me because of my track record and my serving. So I serve the community, I serve the people, I serve the team. Um, and that's what I do. I, I am one of those who live, live my life to do as I say, not just as I do. So if I can't do what I'm telling you to do, then don't follow me. Follow me because you see me doing what I'm telling you to do. And so I wanna be that example that I needed when I was a young girl. So being an impactful person, um, being a helpful person, being a servant, that's who I am. And I just bring that to the team um, as well as always being an encouragement to all of my teammates to, to remind them of how awesome they are, um, to, to boost them up because morale has to be great for the work that we do because when you're called to see death all the time, you need somebody that's gonna speak life. And so I'm that life speaker. Um, I'm that one that encourages the team because I am so honored and so humbled to be amongst these, these great people. So that's, that's a little bit, that's it. <laughs> Man, listen, uh, you are one of the most powerful speakers that I have ever heard. I mean, you do not talk to flesh. You talk to spirit. You know, I have watched you literally speak to masses of people and have everybody, including myself, undivided attention, you know. And it is like the word of God had just come right out of your mouth. You know what I'm saying? You are very, very powerful. I appreciate everything that you do, you know, for us, for our community, for our team. You are just a valuable, valuable person. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm going to not talk anymore because I don't want to cry. But I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I you do grateful. cry, I hope they are tears of joy. <laughs> you hear me? Absolutely. Listen, it's it's a blessing to be Bishop Daryl Harris's assistant. Let me, let me put that shameless plug out there because... I am his assistant to help, um, as Sincere always says, um, make magic, uh, do magic in, in the lives of some people that need help. You know, they need it at the worst time in their lives. And somehow, some way, we're found to be those ones that come and bring the magic or bring the pain or bring the noise, as I'm always told to do, bring the noise. And so we bring the noise. And we break down, as Riley said, we break down the barriers and we find a way to make their life just a tad bit better, even if it's just for a moment. So that's that's who we are. That's that's a part of the love um, that's in my heart. And that's that's what I pour back out. So you can never, never not see me serving, never not see me loving, never not see me giving because that's who I am. There it is. There it is. She just told you what it is and what it ain't. You know, I love it. I love it. My man, Sincere, it's all you, brother. It's all you. Uh, Sincere Altale. Um, from the east side of Detroit. Uh, born on Mack Avenue. Uh, moved to East Grand Boulevard. So I went back and forth between Mack and East Grand Boulevard, which connect. Um, I could literally walked to my grandmother's house from where me and my mom moved us. Um, formerly incarcerated, 
Uh, did 19 years total, two years juvenile, a couple of years in the feds, uh, 15 and some change in the state. Um, my story here starts um, from someone following me on social media, young lady named Sheila McBride, now Sheila Young. Um, she reached out to me a couple of years ago, asked me would I sit down and have a meeting. And uh, that meeting was for a program called Ceasefire, which was had something to do with DPD. So all I heard was Ceasefire and Detroit Police Department. And, you know, a, a part of my growth and my, my maturity allowed me to, to listen to her instead of blocking her. No soon I seen police. Um, but I was I was wise enough. I had gained enough wisdom to, to actually listen to the conversation. And that led to a meeting between me and David Ruffin over <laughs> here, you know, a.k.a. Quincy Smith. Um, I originally got hired on as a, as a resource coordinator. Um, I'm just in recent times figuring out they really didn't know what to do with me. But uh, my my meeting with uh, with Quincy was special. Um. Uh, a regular afternoon, um, and I'm, I'm going to say this, in, in all my time incarcerated, I think one of the reasons why I never became institutionalized is because what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of us were institutionalized before we ever went into a system. So um, the system became my normal, mm -hmm. right? And I where I, where I came from was actually prison. Um, the demographic in which I grew up in was terrible. Um, so by the time I was introduced to the system at a very young age, because I went to prison at, at 15, um, I was gang-banging at 11, 12, 13 years old. I was a part of an organization called All in the Family, which grew into something just so much bigger on a larger scale. But back to this day, um, Sheila set up a meeting with me and Quincy um, at the ceasefire outreach office. Um, I showed up to this meeting, three-piece suit, um, ready to have a conversation. As, uh, after I came home from my, my long stint of incarceration, I took everything seriously. I had lost so much time that um, I just always wanted to make sure that I put one foot forward in, in any conversation or foundation of anything that I had. Um, we never really had a chance to have a meeting. By the time um, I walked in to talk to him, uh, one of his outreach members um, was going through something that day, and it led to us to actually go out into the world and, and, uh, and literally have to assist him. Mm -hmm. um, I knew absolutely nothing about outreach. I know nothing about activism. I knew nothing about any programs of this, this nature, but it looked as if it was something I can identify with. So that day, what turned into a job was natural to me. Um, we went out to help a young man who, who needed a hand, and it led to uh, whatever outreach is. If you can look it up, whatever outreach is happened that day. Um, so a conversation that, that would have been about a job turned more into an action. And uh, I think that was where the confusion came because I think on that day it was more of an outreach, a problem solving and a resource type of 
you know, situation, and it kind of came together. So the conversation about a job never happened. Um, we went to see him. We did what needed to be done to get him to the next stage, which is literally the next day. And uh, next thing, so you thing, guys did a follow up. Well, I'm not even gonna call it a follow. I'm gonna call it a follow through. Okay. Um, because he was already a member, and this wasn't the first time that Quincy had dealt with him. Mm-hmm. But the next, the next contact I had with Quincy was a was an interview. Um, and another day, I showed up on this day. I met uh, three other individuals to work with Ceasefire: Bishop Harris, um, Phil Simmons, and of course Director Jones. Um, but that's kind of where the story started. Um, how I fit in kind of came about. Um, basically, they gave me a chance, and, and once I had the opportunity to, to sit at the table, um, I created uh, I created a foundation for myself. They gave me the opportunity to showcase what my skill set was, and I grew. My man, you are a beast at what you do, too, Absolutely. bro, for real. I'm honored to be right by your side building with you, brother. But, uh, man, thank you guys all for sharing. I appreciate you guys. And uh, we're going to move on to the next segment and get the thank next you group in here. for what you do. You're Holding welcome, it down for welcome. Southwest and then bringing us in. Well, you better know it. That's what we call building bridges, baby. Thanks. So we got Lex, Susan, and E on deck. Come on in. So we got my man Lex Zavala here. We got Susan Wiley and we got my man Big E. That's my man's right there. So what we're going to do is we're going to let, let Lex start out and uh, let him know what it is and what it ain't, bro. What up, though, everybody? Um, first and foremost, shout out to my two kids, um, Nino and Sally. Um, they got to stay up late just to watch this. So Poppy's on TV. <coughs> How you guys doing? <laughs> After this, you got to go to bed. <laughs> Um, born and raised in Southwest Detroit. Um, I'm an '80s baby. Um, I grew up in the crack era. Um, you know, uh, my mom's worked with kids uh, my whole life. Um, stepfather uh, um, got addicted to crack when we was kids, um, and you know, we went through it. You know what it was like in Southwest Detroit back then. Um, by the time I was 17, I had over 30 friends who were killed, you know. Um, and one of those friends when I got uh, at 19 was my best friend and brother-in-law. Um, was killed suicide by cop, and I inherited uh, his two kids. Um, shout out to my two oldest, um, you know, Izzy baby, Donio, um, you know, uh, but. Izzy is. Yep, Isabel the Goddess. Um, check it out, Southwest Baby Fest. Southwest yeah. Fest, August twenty seventh. I'll yeah. be hosting, man. Be there, be yep. square. You better know it. My nephew Gio be performing too. So yeah, shout out, yeah, young Gio. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, um, it, it, it losing my best friend and then getting his son handed to me at three days old, um, having his daughter. Um, living with me at eight months old really, really made me want something different, you know. Um, I didn't want that life no more, and I wanted to do something different. 
So I started to work with his peewees, um, uh, you know, um, 2,400 cash flows. Um, from there, uh, <laughs> um, you know, really work with everybody, counts, Sudanios, folks. Um, I had all those kids in my youth group and really um, trying to build with them, you know. Um, and for the last 19 years, I've been, you know, doing for the community, building, and really trying to empower people to uh, build that capital equity in our community and really um, uplift people. You know, I'm not rich, but I've brought millions into our community. Um, I've sent more kids to college than anybody with the trust fund. Um, I've helped more people get jobs than, than I can even count. And it's about really providing for our people, building power amongst our people, and really stepping in where um, our fathers failed. You know, um, we grew up a generation without men, you know, and it, it's been multi-generations now with absentee fathers, right? Um, so how can we fill in and fill, fill those shoes, really? So I'm Theo, Poppy, uh, brother to a lot of people. Um, I've had kids from my group live on my couch for years, you know, shout out Southeast, shout out Marcus, shout out Lil Beto, um, you know, um, and really building, building. And then, um, you know, when you do this work, you work with other people who do this work. So I met Bishop, met Q, met Cheryl uh, several years ago, and we've been, you know, interacting for years. Um, and, um, you know, I've recommended a couple people to come and work in Southwest for ceasefire because, you know, Southwest is a, a different animal in Detroit. Um, so really you gotta be from Southwest to be welcomed into Southwest, right? And um, after brother uh, Pat passed away, Q gave me a call and was like, yo, we need somebody to really tap back in. And I was like, well, you know, we've been collaborating for so long why don't you just hire DHDC, Detroit's Bank Development Corporation, to fill that position, and you get more than just one person, you get a whole organization behind you. And how can we really build that power and build each other up to really do this work out here? Because there's only so many people out here that really do this work. Um, you get a lot of people who tweet about the work, you get a lot of people who, who real quick to post up uh, Instagram, um, and, and stand next to ceasefire or other people and be like, we were there. But when the shit's hitting the fan, ain't nobody else there, right? So to be able to build that bridge and build power with other brothers and sisters, like-minded, same-hearted, same backgrounds, you know, um, it was just a natural fit. And and we're, we're, we're going on uh, almost a year that fast. Um, and we're, we're just going to keep it building, man. You know, sky's the limit. And when you do God's work, God provides. And we're going to take this work to the next level and really be that, that national staple, that international staple on how you really work with people who have obstacles, how you really touch souls, how you really change lives. And that comes from being from those same places, being amongst the people, being with the people that really do this work, right? Being we, of the people. We, we're not just doing this work. I do this work, and 
after I'm done with work, I see my people at the grocery store. I see my people at church. I see my people in wherever I go, my people are there. So I can't just turn off the work. The work is 24-7, right? And it really makes it a difference when you are of the people because then they can relate back to you. My stories are the same. Their stories are the same. Even if our upbringing is a little bit different, even if our shade of color is a little bit different, the, the trauma is the same. The pain is the same. The successes are the same. And, you know, we cry, laugh, and do everything together. And we'll, we'll make it to that next level together and not divide it. My man, listen, bro, I have learned so much from you, bro. You have inspired me so much. You are so intelligent. Your experience has given you so much knowledge, bro. And I love the way you pour it into me. I love the way, <clears throat> excuse me, you create opportunities. You have put me in the best positions. And every opportunity that has been given to me, uh, I am just so grateful for, bro. I just got back from Seattle, Washington, out there networking with the Juvenile Justice Coalition. I was able to go out there, represent for DHD, uh, DHDC for ceasefire. I mean, we stood tall out there, bro. I shared my story. I shared our story. And they loved it out there, bro. And uh, and I, I, I just, you know, I'm really grateful, you know, um, like like uh, Snoop was saying, like the suffering was not for nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like it is fulfilling the purpose. The Bible is full of people who are sharing stories of their sufferings and their experiences and their experience with God and Jesus and all the work that they've done in their life and how they got to where they at today after the suffering, you know, and they were able to make an impact and change lives. Well, let me say this. Maestro Jerry. Jerry Thale from um, National Capathes Network told me, um, you, use your pain for medicine. How you Ooh, turn that pain cold. into medicine. And um, a real man should cry. Because we're crying for our, our ancestors who didn't have a chance to cry, who were killed too fast to then get that chance. So we carry those tears. We carry that trauma. And our job is to flip that trauma. Um, our job is to use that trauma as medicine and to really build our community and no longer tear down our community you know it, it's it's been set up for us to tear it down we have to be able to outthink the game and use the rules for our advantage to start building to start building to start buying our blocks back to start building amongst our people start educating our own people teaching our own people giving our own people jobs because ain't nobody coming to help us if we ain't helping ourselves Joe Biden ain't gonna do it for us. No doubt about it, man. For sure. Southwest always been on the back burner. Everything we got, we had to go get it on our own, man. For sure. Detroit but hustles harder. <laughs> Nobody hustles like Southwest. For sure, man. Thanks a lot for sharing, Lex. Susan, it's on you, Susan. Let them have it. Let them know who you is. Okay, my name is Susan Wiley. Um, most of my work people know me as Wiley. Don't know how that happened. Wiley Coyote. Wiley Coyote, <laughs> yep. Um, I work uh, under Lex. He's my direct supervisor or direct director. Direct director, I guess that would be it. Ladio's my coworker. Wouldn't trade him in for the world. He's the best coworker in the world. Um, originally, I, okay, I can honestly say I did not grow up in Detroit. I grew up downriver, on the water, out in the boat every weekend. Uh, didn't realize like when I went to Detroit it was with my parents with my family and we only went where they wanted to take me so once I became a police officer um, I got caught up to speed real quick and seen a different side of life and uh, 
Um, did that for seven years, and then I left to become a probation officer and tether officer working with juveniles in southwest Detroit, and that's where I found my true passion. Um, you see so many kids that come from situations that they have no control over. Uh, they'd get locked up, and you'd give them a year of treatment, and sadly, you're putting them back in the same family, the same community who hasn't changed. They've changed, but the people around them have not. So you're just kind of setting them up for failure. Um, I really got involved in the community with my work, and my daughter went to uh, middle school at AOA, so I uh, built a lot of relationships at that. Um, it was uh, English as a second language, so uh, built a lot of uh, relationships with the Spanish community there. And then she went to Cass Tech and recently graduated, and the kids there know me as Mama Susan and know that my phone is available 24-7 no matter what the emergency is. Um, one thing I've realized coming to work at DHDC, um, I did work for a nonprofit before and didn't realize how much more could be done or how much more that nonprofits could be doing until I went to DHDC and really seen the work that was being done at DHDC. A nonprofit we won't name. No. <laughs> but I've been around for 22 years, so anybody who know, know. So, um, but since I've been at DHC, I've been welcomed. I'm super proud of the work that they do. I've seen more work in the last five, six months that I've been there <laughs> than in 20 plus years where um, I was working before. So, and I can say that with pride because uh, DHDC is definitely doing the work. When uh, Lex and uh, Juan, who also works at DHDC, pulled me aside and told me about Ceasefire, said we'd like, you know, you're going to get involved in this and that. And then to see what Ceasefire was about, um, the lady and gentleman that work with Ceasefire, they're selfless, they have a great mission, and they give them themselves. So I'm honored to be a part of DHDC and to be able to partner with Ceasefire because they're out there doing the work, making a difference in communities and trying to stop the violence, build stronger communities, and help people who truly need the help and that want to help themselves. Um, I don't know what else too much to say, but I hope to be part of this for a long time to come. Um, I have two kids. I have a grandbaby who's being born right now at Wyandotte Hospital. So oh, wow. I'll be heading Shout back out new there. Grandbaby. Yeah, new grandbaby, hopefully in the next few minutes here. So, um, oh, that's dope. Yep. So, uh, so I'll be up all night. I'll be tired tomorrow at work. So, uh, you can have the day off. I'll probably oh, be in there. You at heard 10. that right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is live right I'm about now. to tell you, I might be at about 10 o'clock. <laughs> you're you're going to be the godfather, so you can be at the hospital too, right? <laughs> you coming too? So, yeah. So, but, um, I just wanted to say thanks for all the opportunities and, uh, I know that we're going to do great things working with DHDC and working with Ceasefire. Thank you so much, Susan, for sharing. My man E, baby, that's the man of the hour right there, boy. Talk to him. Let him know what it is and what it ain't, baby. It's all on you. Like my man Vezo say, it's all on you. My name is E, better known Rayshawn Edmond. I'm an east side worker. Of, I'm an east side outreach worker of side, east side of Detroit. Uh... I'm just a savage and a soldier for the work. You know, I just, I better actions speak louder than words. You know, I didn't, I was a knucklehead before. I did a whole lot of things, so I get it. So by me getting it, to put into my community and help the same people that, that, I, that I need to help, it's making a difference, man. You know what I'm saying? We can't help everybody. We can lead a horse to water, but we can't make them drink it. But cause is to help everybody so teaming up with teaming up with my boys over here from southwest with detroit east side 
we gonna make it happen. You know, I don't really have too much things to say. Like you know, I, I my actions speak louder than words for my work. You know, I really ain't a camera dude. You know. Don't be on there. We forced like, him to get on. He didn't want to get on. He did not want to get on. You know, you know, I'm really not a camera dude, but, you know, my actions, I like to show my actions better than than talking about it, you know. like, But, shit, I love my team who I work with. I wouldn't change them for the world. You know what I'm saying? This a brothership. This a partnership. This love. It's all family. You know what I'm saying? So we just try to do what we can do to help the community and help the world. You know, we, we can't help the whole world, but we can take our piece of the puzzle. You know what I'm saying? That's all we can do. So thank y'all for the broadcast. Mine is two, three minutes tops. <laughs> now we're done. My man Edo, man, you know, you very powerful. You very influential. When we down there working in Greek town, bro, you see people hanging out the cars, people walking, pulling up. What's up, E? Everybody hugging you. Everybody showing you love, showing respect. Like, we all get that in our respective communities. And we in Greek town, that's like neutral ground for everybody. Everybody in Detroit go through there, bro. And everybody who's standing there with a ceasefire shirt knows somebody, bro. And and it's all positive. You know what I'm saying? And ever since I've been a part of the ceasefire team, bro, me and you've been like, you know what I'm saying? Just clicked off bail, bro. You know what I'm saying? Cain and Abel, baby. <laughs> Just don't kill my brother. <laughs> we ain't going to do all that. We're going to show one another love. I yeah. killed for him, though. Uh, Ooh, how about God. live for him? I'm going to do that, too. Yeah, we always talking about ready to die for our people. We need to be living for our people. I mean, we're going to do that. Yeah. And it's right. a little real good. Because ain't nobody been able to bridge that gap like Ceasefire and DHDC have had, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's always been a division between East, West, Southwest. Like, we always mm -hmm. was on the back burner. Only everybody always acknowledged Detroit through East and West. And now that we bridge this gap, bro, like, it's been a beautiful experience. You know what I'm saying? It's been a mix of cultures, experience, education, knowledge. All that good stuff, man. And I love being a part of it. But I want to thank everybody who've been tuning in, tapping in, sharing, subscribing. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. And uh, we'll see you next Monday at 9 p.m. Peace out. This has been an episode of Real Everyday People. Part of the El Nino Podcast. Check out the El Nino Podcast live on Facebook every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. And for full episodes, the El Nino Podcast is available on Facebook and YouTube.